Welcome to Speak On It. Speak On It is a podcast for black professional women to talk about topics of leadership and success, but through the lens of race, gender, and identity. But not just any topics, the ones that elicit the consummate side eye, the topics that are essentially the elephant in the room. You know the ones. Your host, Dominique Jordan-Turner, is passionate about helping black professional women use both hustle and heart to achieve your big, hairy, audacious goals. She also believes that using your voice has the power to change the world. So let's get ready to speak on it. Hey friends, this is DJT and welcome back to Speak On It. This week is the week of identity. And what does that mean? That means who am I? What is my purpose? Why am I here? And it's a question that we all think about, but we don't always know the answer. And so this week I've been highlighting people who have been living in their purpose, who have been operating in that, and hopefully um, will give us some tips for others to, to learn how to tap into that and to walk into it. And so I'm really excited to have my good friend, Miss Angela Page Hawkins with us. She is the uh, founder and CEO of Bam Blue, which is a sleep company. You got to check them out. She's going to tell you a little bit more about them during our conversation. But I want to ask you, have you found your purpose? What is your purpose? I'm curious how you how you explored it, how you stumbled upon it. In this conversation that I'm going to have with my good friend Angela, she's going to tell us a little bit about how she found hers. And hopefully there's some things that you can take out of this conversation to get you closer to living in your purpose and passion. So welcome, Miss Angela. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Excited. So we're in the A. We're in my hotel room. When we came to Macy's where your products were yesterday, mm-hmm. I was on a Facebook Live and I was like, I'm in the ATL. And I was like, oh, wait, they don't say that anymore. I think I'm getting <laughs> and old. it's not Hotlanta. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep me hip and cool now. That's the problem. I'm no longer <laughs> hip and cool. I'm no longer. My head is buried in building a business. So I don't know what the cool kids say. Mm. <laughs> oh no um so i'm sorry i am bumping this table see this is what happens when i'm not in my studio so pardon me if you hear a bump here or there but i want to jump in tell us a little bit about bam blue and is it your pur- i'm assuming it's your purpose but tell me about whether or not it is uh, but first tell us about bam blue that's a great question so bam blue bam blue is um is a sleep company as you said earlier Um, And I call it a sleep company and not, I don't talk about the products in the description because it is about offering you the products to get you the rest you need to live the life you want. And I think the key words in that is rest in life Mm. and making sure that people are able to source from from us what actually is good for you, what's good to create a healthy sleep environment. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of people out there that are selling gimmicks and tricks and things that are not healthy for your body to try to get you to sleep. But what I want to do is I want to give you the tools to create that ultimate sleep environment. And uh, and people don't realize sometimes that sleep is such an integral part of of living. And some people put it so far down on the list of priorities that it's like, well, when I'm done, when I'm done, I'll get sleep. And then if I have time, I will get the necessary Mm -hmm. requirements of sleep or I don't need any sleep I'm just gonna go straight through and get the work done but the reality is you're never showing up as your true self you're not showing up in your true purpose if you're not properly rested the body needs all of these things to be able to perform the body needs a complete reset every single night and the body needs to be able to cleanse itself it needs to be able to uh, repair itself 
And you want to be able to do that in an environment that's healthy for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people just will grab sheets off the, off the shelf, you know, the cheapest ones or the best color, you know, and they're trying to put stuff together that looks good and doesn't always feel good or doesn't always respond well to the body, to the mind, to the spirit. So that's what we do is we give you those things so you don't have to, we take the guesswork out of it. If you come to Bamboo and you look for products, we, you know that those products are going to be the ones that are healthy for you. There's no pesticides and, and what have you in the, the materials. There's no additives and things like that in the, the aromatherapies and, yeah. the, and the, the pajamas. So I, you came in the room, right? You, what'd you smell? I smelled Egyptian cotton. <laughs> I was so excited. First of all, I was mad that my candle, y'all sold out of the candles yesterday. I'm going to get one um, online, but I got the spray. Um, and I want to go back I to I can something. still smell it. You can? Yeah, Ooh, I can. Yeah, it smells okay. amazing. I'm not plugging or anything, but y'all better get y'all some Egyptian cotton candles and smells. But I want to go back to something you said about sleep and the importance of it and why people don't do it or don't even know the importance of it because this whole video or keep doing it this whole podcast called speak on it is all about leadership success and the art of winning right Mm -hmm. and we tend to think about the classes we go to the trainings the learnings the networks how to dress how to talk all of this stuff but we don't think about sleep and Mm -hmm. how that plays into our success where did you learn that that was important people would think that i learned it because i have i struggle with sleep or you know i've always had a problem and that's not true sleep is my friend (laughs) we go way back yes like to the club way that i angie anywhere angie will be the girl there was an episode of girlfriends back in the day where oh i mean somebody they would sleep in the club but that would be us we would be out in the clubs and angie would be nodding off somewhere it would be trap music going on and she'd be knocked out it is your friend. It is my friend. I can sleep. If I put my head on my pillow, it's a matter of seconds before I'm out. And I love that. I mean, and I used to feel bad when I heard people about, you know, had bouts of insomnia and things like that. And, and, and or they would force themselves to stay awake to complete a task or complete a project. And they would talk about how um, exhausted and lethargic they felt. And I would just be like, why would you do that to yourself? Mm. So I never really had a problem with sleep. I give it the respect it deserves, but I married a trouble sleeper. And so for me, um, I spent the first part of our um, cohabitating trying to get him the sleep he needed because it was affecting me. And I need my sleep. I love my sleep. So <laughs> so as I was doing that, I started to realize that it's not just him. And there are so many people out there with this same issue. And then as a, a manager, you know, at the time I was a manager in corporate and I would see employees that were showing up to work that were clearly exhausted that weren't able to give their all that you know and, and and if there was a time if there was a day when i didn't get good sleep because i was catering to my husband or you know um waking up because he was awake catering to my <laughs> husband <laughs> is that cool okay, no, it was like, like no. why uh, why are you watching a movie why are you watching a war war movies and kung fu movies in the middle of the night so i would get and, and it would affect my day and i was you know and i would say to myself so i could empathize with people who weren't getting proper sleep and i would you know talk to people who who i was working with i would say you're not sharp today like you know i would, I would get from it would always come back to either nutrition or it would come back to um sleep and so think you know keeping that in mind as i looked as i was trying to help my husband i was like this is a perpetual issue that goes deeper than just my house and if i could find a solution 
for my husband, which I did when I, I mean, because we did everything. We did pillows, we did mattresses, we did, um, and my husband is is not a, um, he will not take a lot of drugs. Like, we w- wasn't able to give him any kind of sleep medicine. Mm-hmm. His thing was, if I can't get it by changing the bedding and changing the pillows, stuff like that, then I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. And he would just struggle through his day. Well, we ended up finding the natural solutions of natural fiber bedding. And he uh, responded to it immediately. And what we realized was it just wasn't affecting his sleep. It was affecting his skin. So he had eczema, really bad eczema on his neck, on his face, on his arms. And we were trying to figure out what was causing his eczema, you know, by looking at um, detergents and things like that. But come to find out, it was one of the pesticides that are actually in the manufacturing process of cotton. Wow. And so it was affecting, he was flaring up. And so when he would lay down in the bed at night, his body temperature would shoot up. And it was because his skin was reacting to, his body was reacting to the pesticides. Right, so. So you got it together and he is now sleeping and now you're helping so many others. I am because it's a big problem. Everybody sleeps. Everybody sleeps and everybody needs sleep. And so if you look at the three pillars of health, you have nutrition and exercise and you have sleep and no one that I knew was talking about sleep. Nobody was, and I will tell you, so I've been really transparent about the last year of my life, and um, I'm actually a week from today speaking at a conference, and the title, the working title right now is that one time when I lost my fucking mind. (laughs) I love it, I love it. and, And I literally, did and it's because I didn't have sleep mm-hmm. and I spiraled out of control and mm-hmm. I was I was doing all nighters at least two or three times a week. Yeah, that and is so, so dangerous. It's dangerous, right? And mm-hmm. somebody was telling me about a show or something where they pitted people who slept against people who hadn't slept for 24 hours and just the huge inaccuracy and the flaws that came with the people who hadn't slept in just 24 hours 24 hours and those people are more susceptible to in the immediate uh, in the immediate uh they're more susceptible to car accidents yeah accidents with machinery they say you but you're better off driving drunk driving sleepy right exactly (laughs) Exactly. It's crazy. Exactly. And can you imagine how many people are out there? 40% of the U.S. population is sleep deprived. Imagine how many of those people are on the roads right now. You think about all these accidents. They talk about the drunk. They talk about, you know, um, the intoxicated and the inf- under the influence. But you're not really hearing about the number of people that cause accidents from sleeping. Yeah. Sleep deprivation. It's real. And then in the long term, uh, they're saying that sleep does have an impact on things like Alzheimer's and long term um, dementia. Yeah. Um, it also would cause you to retain weight in your midsection, which we know mm-hmm. is the worst place to retain weight. Um, increase of diabetes, heart disease, all of these things come because your body is not properly resetting and, and, and cleaning its system at night. Um, they said the optimal amount of time to sleep, most people talk about eight hours, but eight hours for some people is too much. Six and a half hours, right at six and a half hours is when your body has completed its uh, all of its checks and balances mm. and you start to retain memories of things that you've learned. You start to feel better, you feel rested. So if you have to get, if you if you can't get a full night's sleep, six and a half is a good amount of time okay. for you to get. All right, to get, y'all to get got that out function. there? Six <laughs> and a half hours. Well, I'm noting that. I, I want to I wanna transition because this wasn't about sleep, but I wanted to make sure we talk about it because it really is. It's about leadership success, the art of winning, Mm-hmm. And sleep is a part of that. But I want people, this is about purpose. And mm-hmm. you are living in your purpose, clearly. And we're here, we were here at a conference mm-hmm. talking about 
purpose and entrepreneurship and business, but I want to ask you specifically, are you living in your purpose? Is this as a hobby? Is this just stumbled upon? Or is this your purpose? How would you define your purpose and your passion in life? Oh, that's, that's a big question. such a great question. And I think it's because for me, I, I've always been that person to constantly challenge myself to do it differently, do it better, show up even more prepared than I have before. So to me, I think if you have defined yourself as living in your purpose, I almost feel like that would be saying, are you done? Mm. You know, and, and so for me, I know I'm not done. Okay. Um, I know that there's more to be done and I, I'm my worst critic. I know that I, um, I don't look and celebrate the things that I've done because I want to do more and I'm you know I'm looking like at my age I'm 46 now mm. and I'm like okay does this you know how much more runway do I have and the reality is where I am now building something that has a legacy building something that has that has purpose I am much better much better focused and I am a much better me than I would be living for someone else's purpose mm -hmm. and I found that being in a corporate environment I clearly was not in my purpose I clearly was not um, fulfilling any part of my value system and how how I'm structured how I was set up now if you ask me when I first graduated college all I knew was I needed to be a CFO mm. you know all I knew was I needed to be at the top of somebody's org chart because that's what you wanted or because somebody told you that's what you should be. because that's what success looked like to mm. me and I knew where I came from there wasn't um, very many corporate idols for me to look at so I wanted to be that because because that's what success looked like yeah. and then it took me being in a corporate environment where I felt uncomfortable and I felt like there was something missing and I had these pangs of um, more you know and it was very early it probably was in my first two years Wow. and I was just like something's not right this isn't I'm not comfortable here is it because I don't belong or is it because I don't, you know, I'm not smart enough. Like, what is it? But then I started to do things on the side and I was like, no, I see a creative passion that needs to be fed. I need to figure out how to make this make a living for me, yeah. you know? And it was never about being rich. It was never about, um, you know, um, living a high life. It was about being able to express myself in a way where I didn't feel as though I was giving up on me. Yeah. You know, and I felt like if when I, and I was a, in a corporate environment, they paid me every week and I mean, every two weeks. And that was beautiful. You know, mm -hmm. I really appreciated that. <laughs> but I wasn't I was restricted to what they determined was successful. And I got a review every year yeah. as to how did you live up to my expectations of you? Yeah. And it wasn't for me. It just wasn't. For me. I didn't like being judged like that. I didn't like not feeling as though I was fulfilling. Like you keep saying purpose. I wasn't fulfilling a purpose. I was checking boxes mm -hmm. to get out at the end of the day. It's like putting a, a, a square peg in a round hole. Yes. Right? And <laughs> one of the things that I've always admired about you, I think that you've been good at only seeing it in a social setting. You're always creative to your point mm -hmm. you, you walk into your house and it's beautifully decorated it smells so good you plan a party and the details of things are like so meticulous and you just do it for a hobby and it's like wait a minute who has these skill sets it's like what's her name not not martha, martha stewart yes you're the black i'm Martha's, marika yeah marika stewart <laughs> 
<laughs> but that's who you've always been mm-hmm. in every setting. Mm-hmm. And so when you first, your first business was a interior design mm-hmm. gallery, and that made a whole lot of sense. But mm-hmm. then freaking recession um, came, and and okay. But this is very much aligned with that. It's like mm-hmm. everybody who comes to your house is like, I want to live here. <laughs> I want I want to stay. Can I have the guest room? Like, So it all makes sense. Um, if you saw my house now, you see all of these <laughs> delivery boxes and uh-huh. candles and fabric and sheets. Byproducts <laughs> of building the business. It is. It is. Yeah. I just told my husband, just give me that space. I'll be done in a minute. Yeah. Just give me the space. But yeah, and I, I, I think that that's what it is, is that there is an alignment that I have that that things need to fall into place for me. And when I do an event, um, whether it's a party or, you know, whatever it is, the amount of detail that I put into it is, I mean, I'm talking pie charts and, (laughs) you know, like sketches, like I sketch out what the tablescape will look like. Mm -hmm. And this, and that brings me joy. And I found that I couldn't do that, you know, and, and I tried to find areas within my field to be more expressive, but those I remember things. when you went from finance to marketing. I did. Yeah. And we, we thought that was trying. it. Yes. We thought that was it. This is it. We found it. We figured it out. Exactly. But, but the reality was I was still pegged yeah. into a space where they wanted me to be their creative. Mm. And it wasn't um, it wasn't allowing me to really express myself. So what did I do? I went and built another business. It's <laughs> <laughs> always it. my answer. I'm going to build a business. Yeah. But I knew, and the, what I did though with this business is I went back and I looked at what did not work with the last business, and the, what didn't work was like you said, the recession. Mm-hmm. The recession took people out at their knees, and it left me with a feeling of a failure. But what I had to learn about myself and what I had to really work through was there were almost no small businesses that could have sustained what we went through. Not at all. I wrote a, because of my analytical background, I wrote a very detailed award-winning business plan. I knew what I was going to do. I knew what every inch of that gallery was going to look like. I knew what all my inventory was going to look like, when, um, what the margin was going to be. I knew everything I needed to know to make that business successful. What I didn't know was that the economy was going to fall lower than we ever saw it fall mm-hmm. before. So I, I, I thank God that I had that background to rely on to get me to the point of bringing it to fruition. There are many people who dream of these things and never accomplish, yeah. but having to start over gave me a new appreciation for what I knew but it also proved to me what I needed to know and you know that's I think that's how I got to where I am today to being two years in and being in Macy's mm-hmm. there's a lot of steps that need to happen along the way and there are a lot of things that need to be done completely that I wouldn't have been able to do before had I not had that fault that failure or you know just for lack of a better word um, that that fall from grace you know, you, there are lessons that were learned there that got me to the point where I have now surrounded myself with individuals who have been in certain areas that can help me fast track to be able to build this business, mm-hmm. that help me find what my purpose is. And I will, like I keep saying, I don't know that I've gotten my purpose yet. I know that it's, it has an entrepreneurial feel to it. My, my purpose doesn't bring me back to corporate. So I want to say a little bit, I think we oftentimes think about purpose like a job. And I want to clarify what I mean by that too, because if I were to articulate my purpose, I would say that my purpose 
It's not being the CEO of Chicago Scholars or the CEO of the D.A.R.E. Collective. It's not any of those things. It is about helping other people to see their full potential. It's about helping people to see something in themselves that they may not uh -huh. and to inspire them to live up to their best self. Uh -huh. And so that's that's part of what my purpose is. Now, it might come in the form of this podcast. Mm -hmm. It might come in the form of me being the CEO. It may come in the form of me being a speaker on a stage. Mm -hmm. It's gonna come through another job, perhaps before I go fully into entrepreneurship. But my purpose is still the same. My being, uh. my essence, I've been put here to make sure that you know what your superpower is. And that, that you are that you are maximizing it, uh -huh. and if it's just a word, that is the whole point of speak on it, right? That uh -huh. your your voice has the power to change the world, and uh -huh. I say that truly believing it. Uh -huh. Like you could ignite something in someone just uh -huh. by speaking on what you see in them, uh -huh. and they can go out and light up the world by living in their passion. I see you, right? Okay, yep. So, so if having said that, I would say yes. I then yes I am living my purpose this is where this is the stage that I belong on mm -hmm. and the thing to me and I t I'll tie that in with the feeling of success because people often think you know when do you know that you're successful when do you know that you've made it and for me it has almost nothing to do with a financial gain it has to do with like you said giving someone else the power to believe in themselves mm -hmm. and I see that where I come from my family is um, it's a cyclical thing where they don't believe in themselves and therefore they do the things that their parents did and then they create another cycle that does the same thing and there's not a whole lot of you know, dare, you know, daring to go out and try to do something and fail and then try again. We don't see that. So we see a lot of people that just don't believe in themselves. So I grew up not having anybody in my family. And when I say anybody in my family, I'm talking about the females. And that to me was most impactful mm -hmm. because when you don't see the females really going out to roost like you, uh, like you want to do, it's like, who do you look at? Right. And when I, when I left home, I left home with my father's foot in my back to go because he saw that he he couldn't get me around the right people to make me grow. And so I left and when I would look back I would feel a pain that I couldn't let them see what I was doing because I felt like I'm so far away they don't see that this is real that this is an opportunity that there are more things than just having children and and having your children have children right away you know like there was there's more to this and so I felt like I was missing an opportunity to teach them and to show them so I started to try you know thank God for the social media because now they see me and they see me as if I'm next door and what that has done is it has created so many entrepreneurs in my family wow. people that in my family I had and, and I hate to say it given up on you know people that in my family who were having you know, five or six kids and had no pur no purpose no plan and now they're business owners wow you know what I mean and I'm like see you changed the world yeah. there we go <laughs> see how it works and for me that world I, and for me I, I mean I would love to continue to do that and be able to see other young women uh, find their power and, and, and find the dare to go out and, and build a business and believe in themselves and bet on themselves but the family to me was so important mm -hmm. because I didn't want to be the only one. I didn't want to give up on them like I felt I had when I moved. Yeah. And so being able to look back and see them and I, they, my family is so creative. I mean, if you think I'm creative, they, they, I mean, my family could literally be either a, um, a, a music group or, <laughs> or they could have their own uh, yeah, Disney studio. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> No. Okay, no. No, cameras, cameras, no cameras. No cameras. No cameras. <laughs> no cameras. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's I mean I mean clothes designers, hair designers, they are also creative and so you know it's so beautifully talented. But everybody, I think you know when you come with the creative talents, a lot of people look at it as foolish child's play. Yes. And they didn't see that there was a business in this. Like, it's not just that you like putting colors on paper. You are an artist. You just hit it on the nose, right? I think one of the questions that I've been reflecting on is why is it that we are not living in our purpose and our passion? And Mm -hmm. it's because people talk us out of it. Their fears, because they hadn't seen it. They hadn't had the social media where they can see the proof of concept. Mm -hmm. You are proof of concept for folks to say, okay, you just increased my belief because somebody that I know and I can touch has done it. So I know it's possible. Mm -hmm. And so it is. I've been talking. I want to be Oprah. You know. Oh, yeah. I did. (laughs) But they're like, no, you can't be Oprah. Everybody wants to be Oprah. And that's not possible. You can't do that. Or I wanted to be an artist, right? Any kind of artist. I was an amazing, um, I won art contests, drawing contests, writing contests, all I of those things. I never knew that. I did. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. And Kennedy, I am in, I'm pushing Kennedy. So yeah. Kennedy is writing her own book. We're co-authoring it, but she's the illustrator. She's yeah, illustrating the book. And so I'm, I'm pushing it. I want to make sure that I'm not mm-hmm. shutting down her unique talents and gifts. Right. I want her to see right. that, you know what, right. if pushed a little bit, this may take you somewhere. So she yeah. wants to go to art school. She doesn't want to go to regular college. She says she wants to go to art school. Oh, and I, I love, love that. that. I love that. And I know that when I grew up, um, if someone ever said that they wanted a job in the arts or, you know, drawing something, it was looked at like, oh, you don't really want to work. Yeah. You know, you don't really have, you don't really have any aspirations. <laughs> and people shut it down. I mean, my mother was, um, you know, was a pioneer, but my mother got really sick at, at, and had a brain injury when I was 10. So I didn't get to see her live her full potential, right. you know, but I know that it, I know that her, her gifts are in me. So being able to bring them out and that's another opportunity to, you know, to show her, even though she's not, she doesn't have her full faculties, she sees herself in me, you know what I mean? And it gives her hope that I, you know, it, it's not awful. Not I may have lost my talents and I've lost a lot of myself, but my child is living my dreams. I love you know, that. So, that's yeah. got to be great fuel for. Yeah, for it this. is. It yeah. is. Yeah, that's it good. Is. So I want to I want to ask you for some advice. These these conversations, first of all, uh, I've wanted them to be like 30 minutes, but I talk too much. Um, <laughs> so I want you to think back to your. 22 year old self (laughs) when you were young and tender (laughs) (laughs) falling asleep in the club Um, (laughs) I was but but think back that was cute though yes you were yes you were (laughs) but think back you know that old saying if only I knew then what Mm. I know now what is Mm. the piece of advice that you would give to a young black woman who is a firsty, who is blazing a trail, who's daring to be the first, who's daring to do something that nobody else has done. What would you tell her? Would you believe I had this conversation with myself today? You did? <laughs> you, you were speaking to your own self? I was, because I said, you know what, if I had the power to go back and live in a certain age, that would probably be the range that I would be in. And it wouldn't be because I was, you know, fit and fine. It would be because <laughs> I was I had energy, mm, you know what I mean? Yes, I had did. energy and I could do it and I could, you know, get up and run and I was, my back wasn't hurting after being on my feet. <laughs> but I think I would tell my 22 year old self to trust and believe and it doesn't have to happen right now, but it's going to happen. It doesn't have to happen exactly how you pictured it, but it's going to happen. Give God the space to work. 
Mm. You know, and I think that, you know, stop trying to do it. Try, stop trying to force it to work the way that you think it should work. Because some of the things that you're walking away from were the answers to the prayers that you prayed. Ooh, you better speak on it. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Girl, I just got a shout going on. That's real. That's speaking to my 27-year-old stuff right now. You know, because uh, I'm 27. Just yes. so y'all know. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Give God the space. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many dreams I've been trying to force or I have, you know, throughout the years. And I look back. And I say, oh, this is why you didn't allow it to work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I pray. And I tell the story often about applying to graduate school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at Deloitte and I applied and Deloitte was going to pay for me to go back to business school. And I took that GMAT uh, three times. Um, I applied to school. It's like my number one school. The admissions director called me. And I got so excited because I got I was getting a personal call to give me my admission decision. Um, mm-hmm. And Michelle Rogers, I'll never forget her. So she calls and she says, "Well, we really uh, loved your application. We think you'd be a great, you know, student here at Kellogg and all of this stuff. But your GMAT score is way too low." Oh, right. No. And so I took off two weeks of work. I hired, I spent probably $2,500 on one of those Princeton review kind of coaches mm-hmm. or whatever. And I spent two weeks just studying and in class studying and studying materials. Took that test, got the same score. Oh my God. Yes. It's stacked against you. That's why. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a conspiracy, it is right? A conspiracy. It's C-O-N- I don't trust those conspiracy. conspiracy. <laughs> That's why I didn't go back to grad school. <laughs> exactly. I didn't want to take the test. I did test anyway, but but had it had I not um, had I gotten a better score and gone back to B school, and I would have owed Deloitte two years. I never would have gone to the Peace Corps. That never would have led to this life of passion, my purpose, me uh-huh. living, and this intersection of service and leadership. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, that's when I found my purpose is when I went to the Peace Corps. But I, I distinctly remember, and I, you know, I got some behind the scenes purview here, but I distinctly <laughs> remember you getting up at night one night and God had spoken to you and yes. you found the Peace Corps. Yes. Isn't that crazy? And I don't tell people that story uh, very often. Literally, it uh, dropped into my spirit because I've been praying. Yeah. We have been having wine and cheeses and, and hosting and parties. Poem, and poetry readings. Poetry readings. <laughs> and my, my, my poem at that last one was, Who Am I? Mm-hmm. Right? And it was a poem called, Who Am I? And I cannot find it. But it was asking about my I can purpose. <laughs> need to find it. it was like i'm not your superwoman but who am it was basically questioning what are what am i here for mm-hmm. and i would pray i bought purpose driven life by rick warren and mm-hmm. i was just praying and asking friends and asking for guidance and all of that and you were a part of mm-hmm. that and but i did i got up in the middle of the night and i at peace Corps, i had never known anybody that go to peace corps but i started mm-hmm. and i said this this must be God mm-hmm. because it had everything that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I went down to that office that morning and I tell the story. The recruiter was on his way out. He, I caught him in the elevator, mm-hmm. going to the elevator. And I said, please, 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 please just talk to me. It was, I dro- this was dropped in my spirit. I need you to, he said, I'm going to give you 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. He came back in the office. We talked for two hours. Wow. And he fast tracked my application. As a matter of fact, he gave me so many preferences. I just knew it was God because when it's God, it just happens. Mm-hmm. It comes mm-hmm. easily. When and it comes easily, it you get easy. get out of the way. Yeah. 
yeah. get out of the way. Yeah. Yep. And so it just, I love that. Somebody in the mastermind group dropped in there. They said, designs come to, it was Nikki. She said, designs come to me in a And dream. when I saw that, I was like, me too. Like, I, I totally see that. And like I tell people, some of the things that I say, sometimes I realize I stepped back and God spoke. That's right. Like, I see, I hear it all the time. And then there are some things that I do and it, it, it goes against every grain of what I want to do, but I do it because I'm led to do it. And I know that's God, mm-hmm. you know, but so th- there's, there's no doubt to me that God, oh, he is the founding partner yes. <laughs> yes. of everything I do. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And this wasn't even all about God. See that? Um, but, mm-hmm. but you see, won't he do it? I have two <laughs> Additional questions before mm-hmm. my final one. You asked me when you were reading this. You said, "Why did you capitalize white people?" <laughs> <laughs> Dear white people. Dear white people. <laughs> um, so the question is, what do you wish white people, all caps, knew about black leaders or firsties? And I'm gonna first share why I capitalize white people, and I, I laugh with folks that I I do social experiments where I try and get people to say a race. <laughs> And they will not. People are afraid to talk about race, but when they do, they lean in mm-hmm. really close to me mm-hmm. and they whisper, white people. <laughs> and so I capitalize it so I could symbolize shouting it mm-hmm. and my boldness and just saying, white people. Yeah. Like, I want you, what would you want white people to know? Because um, <laughs> they may be listening and uh, it's important. Um, yeah. For us and them, but what do you wish white people knew about black leaders? To me, there's a stigma that comes with being a black leader, that I was given something, that I got a pass to be here, Mm. that I'm gonna do it until I don't wanna do it anymore, then I'm gonna quit, or I'm not investable. And I don't even know if that's a word. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yes. But yes, so I, you know, so that I'm inferior or I'm special because I'm here. So all of those things I think come from, and I would say white people probably primarily because they are the majority and you will, they are the ones that are given most of the, the unconscious bias that you mm-hmm. see. But I feel like when I say, you know, when they hear what I do, they're almost too surprised. Mm-hmm. You know, they're almost, they're almost looking for my in, you know, so what um, multi-level business are you a part of that created bamboo? Ooh, <laughs> interesting. Yes. This must be so. an affirmative action initiative that, right, right. that you're running. Right. And I think that, and, and I would say that um, I'm glad that you underestimated me because now I'm going to show up and show out. Mm. But the but it's a little bit disconcerting because if someone, if someone is not as, if someone is not fully strong enough to defend themselves or to bat away your social bias, then they might be deterred by that kind of comment. Like, well, maybe I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I, you know, well, you know, like, well, maybe I should slow my roll because maybe I, I can't handle what, you know, what this white man could do or what this, even what, you know, what this Chinese woman could do, yeah. you know, because they have more, you know, more strength or more perseverance than I have. and. That to me is probably the biggest, the biggest issue with being a minority and doing things that supersede even the majority. Mm. And I think about when I was in corporate, I had a boss 
who would constantly and the thing was he wasn't a white man he was a black man Mm -hmm. and he would constantly belittle the accomplishments that I made whether it was in work or even if it was something to do with um, something I was a part of and then when he got wind of me being a business owner it was that too and it was more more of well maybe you should slow down maybe you should focus on just this maybe that's you know too much and and I let it affect me and I think that that was the point in time where I knew that this isn't where I belong and instead of me shying away and kind of trying to find my exit out of his group I should have spread my butterfly wings and let him know who I am and I think that that comes from not being at that point in time I wasn't in my purpose I wasn't living in my purpose I wasn't in my lane so I felt like he was pushing me out of the lane justifiably so that that's what scares me. But you me. know what's so funny? Again, that is also the reason for speaking on it. When I say your voice has the power to change the world, and when mm-hmm. I say the world, I mean like of good, a person. Good and bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's the bad, yeah. right? So when somebody spews that kind of negativity, mm-hmm. it could have changed your whole trajectory. And mm-hmm. what a shame that would be yeah. if the world didn't have this gift that you are operating in. Right. And so it's, your words have the power to change the world. Yeah. And, and, and that world is your world is anything that's happening with you right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and one person it, it's the whole world for that person right. right and so we have to choose our words wisely and find things and people to speak on that mm-hmm. inspire life I, I believe wholeheartedly in that I, I, I 100% believe in that I also believe that as the strong we need to empower the weak you know it's so funny I can't wait for you to take your Enneagram test <laughs> <laughs> It's making me think. So I took this Enneagram test. I'm a number eight and it's called Challenger, but they say that a Challenger loves justice and Mm -hmm. fairness. And that is me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I want everybody, I will, I will shout for the underdog Mm -hmm. on any given Sunday. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's funny. I'm curious. You sound like an eight. From that that perspective, I am an eight. I mean, if that, I haven't taken Mm -hmm. a test, but I know that for me, I am going to fight you in the streets. If you are picking on the little guy and I'll, I'll give you a case of point. So I, um, I had a, I had a job where I had employees and one of my employees was, well, two of my employees were being bullied by a whole group of employees. And I stepped in, you know, to kind of, you know, mediate the situation. And what ended up happening from that was the other group created some stories that were egregious enough to get my my two employees fired. And then I stepped up to the, uh, the higher ups to tell them I wasn't going to stand for it. Now, everybody else in the organization was like, Angela, don't say anything. Let it go. Let them go because this is not worth your job. To me, it was. Mm. To me, it was worth everything that I had built for myself to be able to stand up for those two ladies who needed that job and who did not do what they said they did. I was not going to allow you to. And it was so funny to me when you get to see the value system of everybody else around you who was just like, let them go. And I was just like, how could you do that? But you don't have my value system. My value system was not going to allow me to continue to work in this organization. If I have to go because they have to go, then I'm gone because Mm. I can't continue to work around you knowing that I I feel like your values are, in my opinion, screwed up. Now, if you're going to let somebody take out an underdog in this in, in this situation, you're going to let somebody take out an underdog because you don't want to deal with the true 
issues at hand, then shame on you. But I'm not going to do it. And so, yeah, from that respect, I am, I am a 100%. If that's an eight, I'm an eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot wait. I, I was telling every, everybody should take it, but I was sharing that it's like the least wanted sign of them all. I keep trying to take it to get a different take one. It over, like, I'm going to take it over with a smile on my face. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to be the nice one. I'm going to be the two, which is the helper. Because I'm trying to help by using my voice, but I don't take that shit. They also say that we like to say four letter words like fuck that. <laughs> Just to get the reaction of people, like for shock value, and when it's, I was like, "That's me, that's so me." I have a shirt that says "fuck that." Um, Remember, but, I had a shirt that said "FCUK." That's as far as I could get. See, you're, you're an eight. You're, you are an eight. My eight friend. Okay. So, um, so question for you: What would somebody be surprised to know about you? Something that they cannot find on social media, in a bio, anything interesting that you want to share that people might know about someone who's highly successful? Something that someone would be surprised to know about me? I am an open book. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I am an open book. I'm trying to think. Um... Well, I think most people that know me, and that's and it's hard because I'm sitting across from somebody that knows me probably the best. Um, I that I'm a chocoholic, like I eat sugar in in lieu of all else. Like, <laughs> yes, that's more opposite. You're sugar, I'm salt. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think, and, and I say that you know, in jest, but the reality is, what I found um, about my personality because of how much I like sugar, I have an addictive personality, and I didn't know that. But I have a very addictive personality. So if I give up sugar, I'm going to addict to something else. So here's the thing. We really have to do this test. So they say like eights live life to the fullest, like ride the, you know, ride it to the wheels. Oh, come that off, is you. Right. But that's you too. <laughs> and I got that from you. You talk about all that energy, that energizer bunny. You is really uh-huh. funny because you'd say that that's me now, but that's you. When we were roommates and all that. It's like, where does she get this energy from? She just keeps going and going and going. But know what she do now? Oh, let's get this. It's like, I'm tired. But that's you. But they say like, we will put like hot sauce. They gave the examples like hot sauce on it because you need something to shock your, yes. your diet because, because we have addictive personalities. Wow. I'm <gasps> eight. I know. I'm eight. <laughs> because my husband does not understand why I put hot stuff on. I put jalapenos in everything. See? You have to like, <laughs> and I'm like spice of life. great. Yes. I ate but a jalapeno you, potato chip today that was yes. life. Because we've numbed ourselves to of our emotions. We don't like to be vulnerable. Uh-huh. We don't want people to see the softer, weaker side of us. Uh-huh. And so we kind of numbed ourselves. So when when we do something, we go big. We go yeah. big. And so I'm so curious now. Yeah, I'm going to take it as soon as I get home. I can't wait. I can't wait. You'll have to drop the results. <laughs> I will. Stay tuned. Next week, I will drop the results. So as we wrap up, this has been fun. I'm so glad we did this here. Um Anybody who walks into my office, my house, or anything, even on my social media page, knows they know that I love quotes um, and words. And so I always like to end with the question of your favorite quote that inspires you. What are some words that you want to leave people with that you hold dear as you go through tough times, as you mm-hmm. think about leadership, success, and the art of winning? What? Please share some words, a uh, favorite quote. Uh, my favorite quote is a scripture. 
or scripture yeah, that it works. Is scripture. And my favorite scripture is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And when that quote settled in my spirit was when I when I learned the power of prayer. And I and I remember praying on something and it you know, I was getting up, I was going to church and I was like, I just need a sign. I just need a sign. And I was watching I was watching TV and you know, I was watching church before I went to church because I was so, <laughs> I needed a word. I needed a word. And I remember the preacher saying on TV um, sometimes God speaks to you, but you have so much going on. You have so much noise that he can, you can't hear him. So you get in the car, you turn on the radio, you come in the house, you turn on the TV, you go into a room, you start to talk to somebody, you pick up the phone, you pick up the phone, you pick up the phone. And I remember thinking, when am I quiet? Mm. You know, when am I quiet? And then um, on the way to church that day, my radio went out. And I said, oh my God. <laughs> and I said, this is when I need to be quiet. And all it was was a fuse. I never fixed the fuse. I never had a radio back in that car. And I had that car. I probably, it probably stayed about three years with no radio in that car. And no no way to listen to music at all. So when I was in the car, I was quiet. And then still to this day, I turn the radio off when I get out the car. Because sometimes when I get in, I want it to be off. But at that point in time is when I learned that scripture. When I got to church, it was... You, you know, you can... And it was about... He was talking about asking God and waiting, being patient and listening. That's what he was talking about when I got to church, waiting, being patient, and listening to what he's saying to you. And then that that's at that point in time, I was just like, I can do it. I can do it all. I can do it all, but I have to ask for it and wait for the answer. So mm. that it all came back to me. It was that scripture that kind of resonated that whole thing. I could do it. I could do it. And I, I, and I know how to ask for it. And I also know that there has to be times when I'm quietly listening. I love the that. Answer. I love that. That's a great way to end it. I think even for those who are not Christian, it's the same concept. Mm-hmm. I went no matter on, who you pray yeah, to. Absolutely. Yeah. I did a meditation retreat mm-hmm. with Deepak Chopra this summer in Hawaii, and we meditated. Just drop that in. You, you know, I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> not bougie at all. Yeah, yeah. Not bougie at all. Um, first in Hawaii. First, first, first world problems. <laughs> on my sabbatical. Yeah. Right. Um, but but honestly. I have never been that still or that quiet. Mm-hmm. We meditated so much. And in that quietness, in that stillness, mm-hmm. that's when stuff just got dropped into my spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it lifts you. It's almost like yeah. it takes weight off of you to put yes. things. And, and it's almost like, to me, it's almost like things will go into an, a categorical order when mm-hmm. I'm quiet. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like thinking in chaos and then when you're quiet, things get put into slots. It's true. I'll go back. I used to listen to these tapes that my mom had because she's a uh, super Christian. And there was one, and Christians may recognize it, but it talks about this precarious little girl who was always into something. And the mom sent her off to keep her busy for a while and gave her like a thousand um, piece puzzle. Mm-hmm. And the little girl came back and like, an hour when it should have taken four or five hours and the mom was like there is no way that you are done Mm -hmm. and she said yes mom I am done she said actually you know on the other side was a picture of Jesus and when I put all those pieces and puzzle pieces in place everything else fell in place and it's like how symbolic of that because when God is centered Mm -hmm. in our lives everything else just falls in place the way that it's supposed to Mm -hmm. it's no coincidence it's Mm -hmm. not luck it is divine order Mm -hmm. and so um, I think that's a great way to end it that we just gotta get still get centered 
put God, whoever we believe Buddha. in, Buddha, <laughs> you know, whoever, um, the universe, <laughs> and then everything else falls in place. Yeah, so, and just be quiet and listen. So, well, thank you, friend. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. This, this was this fun. Was this is fun. Can we do this over the phone sometimes? <laughs> Yes, we're gonna do a, an update on Angie's Enneagram and see if she's like me, the challenger. Um, but thank you all, and to all of my listeners, I want you all to remember that your voice has the power to change the world. So find something that you are passionate about and speak on it. Until next week. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Speak On It. To learn more about your host visit www.dominiquejordanturner.com or follow her on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using the handle DJT Speaks. We look forward to you tuning in next week.